We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to another edition of Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm Sean McKenzie. I'm your guest host, and I'm so pleased to have with you a fellow podcaster and a fellow shepherd. His name is Paul Granger. Paul works with YWAM, but in the last 20 years, he has spent a lot of time just meeting with people, shepherding people, and talking about the love of Jesus Christ with them. And Paul, I want to say thank you and welcome. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really excited for where God's going to take this conversation. One of the beautiful things that Paul and I got to talk to a little bit before is this is a chance for you to sit back and relax being a guest because you're also a podcast host. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying before that, you know, I do all the scheduling and all the editing and all the hosting. And so whenever I'm able to just just talk and have a conversation and not do the editing after it's great because God really does show up in these conversations, but it's nice when I don't have work afterwards. <laughs> it, yeah, it always is. One of the beautiful things is you call yourself a child of God and an ambassador of Christ. There's a lot to that. So let's just unpack this, your relationship with, with our heavenly father. From what age did you feel this calling that God had placed on your life? I've always had that identity attached to me. I grew up going to church. I was baptized as an infant, always went to church throughout my whole life, was always involved in ministry things, uh, Christian-based things, faith-based things. There came this point where I would hear all these amazing stories, these transformation stories. I was this horrible person, and then God met me, and then everything was great. And I remember just feeling so ashamed because I was like, I don't have a story like that. I just kind of always knew God. And we don't realize how powerful God can make a story, even if we don't think it's powerful. And so I, I, my whole life, you know, going to church, knew God. Uh, but it wasn't until maybe middle school that I really started to think, maybe this is something I need to explore personally. Maybe I need to not just go to church, but figure out, well, who do I think God is? What, what is this Christianity thing to me? And that's when I started to press into it more by high school, got involved with FCA, even though I wasn't an athlete, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Young Life, was part of a number of Bible studies. And that carried into college. I went to a Christian university, Campbell University, and thought I was going to be a pastor. And this whole time, you know, I, I felt like I knew there was a God. I, I knew I had a relationship with him, but I was on this constant journey of figuring out what does this actually mean? 
And I, I always had this comparison to other stories. And I think that's what I've really loved about the journey that God's invited me on. I'm almost 40 now and I'm still journeying. I'm still learning. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love others? You know, I've, I've been fortunate to have known God my whole life. God is in a way unknowable. He's incomprehensible. Each day, I actually know him more than I knew before. And it makes what I knew before seem like nothing compared to what's going to be. It's so beautiful how, how our relationships with him is ever evolving into, into where we are today. I liked what you said. You didn't have this story. Like some of the people we work with, you know, we have a lot of people who've, they've gone through some stuff, but yeah. at the same time, it's also beautiful, God, that he, he takes some of us and says, okay, you can still have a relationship and show other people my love through your story mm -hmm. as well. You know, what I love too, is that as I've gone through my life, I've also been able to recognize spaces that even though there wasn't this transformative from horrible to saved story, there are all these moments where there were decision points. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in this hard place and I have an understanding of what's happening in my human logic. And I also have on this hand, this idea of God who I've been told is good and powerful. And I don't know how these things mesh because this thing's too horrible for there to be a good God. And if he's a powerful God, couldn't he stop it? And these are moments where I've had the opportunity to make a decision. Am I willing to step towards God? Am I willing to trust God, even if he seems untrustworthy, even if he seems too far or invisible? Those have been some of the moments that have shaped my life the most, more than the good moments, more than the ones where it's like, oh, God blessed me with this thing. It's those moments where it seemed like all was lost, I made the foolish decision to trust God and he was there <laughs> and I was able to move on from it to recognize that my human logic is actually limited and God's logic is way beyond my capacity, but he actually invites me into it. It's so wonderful. When I was reading your little bio on Podbatch, I was talking about you get to show God's love and his love to others through your gift of shepherding. And that for some people, they see our lives lived out and they're going, but, but I, I can't be like a Paul. I can't be like a Sean. But at the same time, they're watching us to see how we live out our lives when those proverbial things hit the fan and they're, they're looking saying, oh, so you don't have to react a certain way or you, mm -hmm. you, you can do, do things a different way. So sometimes I, I like to say people are looking at us and sometimes we're the only Bible to get to read us how we live out our life. I think the, the best moments for me in those spaces are the ones where I realize, like I realize that it's not me. You know, someone looks at, uh, I have a few friends that the community that we live in has high levels of poverty, high levels of addictions, overdoses, high levels of violence. And I'm here because I felt like God invited me to be here, even though at any given moment, I don't know exactly what he's up to. <laughs> but in the course of that, I developed a number of friendships with uh, guys who really wrestle with addiction. And one of them even keeps asking me to be a sponsor. And I'm like, I don't know if I could technically be your sponsor because I haven't, you know, but I'm, I'm going to walk with you through this. And there have been moments where I'm like, man, God, why? I'm open to this, but why is it that you chose me to be in these relationships? Because I haven't wrestled with uh, like substance abuse addiction. I haven't wrestled with some of these things. And so, and then I'll have other people who are confused as to why I'm in those relationships because 
they don't see the connection. But what I know is that those are relationships that God orchestrated. And those are spaces in which God equips me with the capacity. So it doesn't have to be about my experience or my knowledge or even my plans. It needs to be about my willingness for God to show his knowledge and his will and his plans. And, and so when people look on, that's what I hope that people see is not, oh, Paul's really good at talking to people. Paul's a good listener. Like, no, because sometimes I don't want to listen or sometimes I'm working through my own stuff and don't want to take on other things. But what's so beautiful, and this is where the shepherding gift, I think this is what people don't even understand sometimes about the shepherding gift. It's not that people who have the shepherding gift are really good at talking or listening or any of those kinds of things. It's that God equips the shepherds with the eyes to see and the ears to hear folks that otherwise might go unseen or unheard and equips the shepherds with the willingness to walk, right? Because that's the thing. A shepherd doesn't just, you know, protect the sheep from the lions. They actually walk with the sheep through the fields, through the hills, through the valleys and protects them and shows them where the pastures are. So it's this journeying. And I think what I hear from some people is it can get exhausting. Like, you you know, they might be willing to hear somebody's issues one time, but when that person keeps coming back, it's like, oh man, I can't, I can't keep carrying this. With the shepherding gift, God provides this capacity to take that long journey. And so some of these, you know, relationships, and in particular, when we're talking about addiction, for anyone who's walked with someone who's wrestling with addiction, they know that addiction isn't a quick fix thing. And recovery is a lifelong thing. So by default, it's a long journey thing. And so, yeah, it's been really beautiful to see how God's invited me to certain spaces, but also the moments where it's very clear that God is the one doing it and not me so that I can point to him and say anything good you're seeing, it's God. (laughs) It is beautiful because as you and I shared before we started this interview, I've been in the recovery field for the past 20 years. I've had, I had my own struggles with gambling in, in, in my past and I, I have shared it on our podcast, but I, I, I get to walk with people. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, we, I, I always tell people what you just said, I don't have to have had the same addiction to somebody else, mm-hmm. but I have to be willing to show up. And I think that's, that's a key component that I, I find is missing in, in, in people's journey with Christ is sometimes they, they, they need to have that person who they can feel safe with to be able to share some stuff that maybe some, it, it, I, I'm sure you have found it. We get into some messy conversations with people as we're walking on the journey with them. And it means something when you know that someone actually hears you and they're not judging you and they're receiving what you're saying like with, with openness, because like, I know there have been periods in my life where I've been struggling with something, working through something, been in a hard season. And the most painful periods of that were when I felt unheard and I felt unseen, or when I felt like, I don't know who I can really talk to about this. So when I was in a really hard work situation, it was really hard to know who I could talk to in a safe way. And I felt incredibly lonely, right? So there's been these periods in my life where I've recognized how much I needed someone. And so to be able to be that, uh, I'm, I have more of a willingness internally to do it because I know how valuable it's been to me. And 
and a piece about doing it because I've learned that it's God doing it. So I'm willing to step into these spaces because yeah, it just means it just has such an impact just to be heard can be so healing for a person to know that they are seen can be so restorative to a person. Oh, it certainly is. Paul Granger is our guest here on Refuge Freedom Stories. And Paul, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know I certainly have experienced it. Sometimes when I'm walking with an individual and I'm, I may be, as you said, struggling with something on my own. Sometimes we, God gives us this little gift. He, he uses the people we're walking with thinking we're helping them, but God then uses them to help us see situations in a whole different light. Have, have you experienced that? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, our neighborhood, there's a lot of struggles within our neighborhood. And there are a number of relationships that God's blessed me with that are people that have often gone overlooked, have often gone judged. And, you know, there's one particular season when I, I lost a job that I'd had for five years. It was with the ministry. And one of those friends who he receives disability and that's his sole form of income outside of mowing lawns. And one of the ways he wanted to serve me is like, Paul, I'm going to, I want to cut your lawn. I don't want to charge you anything. Cause I know you're going through a thing and I, I want to support you. Uh, I have another friend who he, he lives in a garage down the street and frequently he will come up and like, he'll have just gotten food from somewhere, a couple bags, and he'll leave a grocery bag on our porch because he wants to bless us. And, and I think what it demonstrates is it really pushes against our notion of serving because we're usually operating out of a mindset of helping. And the way that my pastor and spiritual father, Don Coleman says is he's, he really presses people on this, on the difference between helping and serving. He'll even, when we would have groups come in, when I used to work with service groups, be a bunch of young adults and they're all coming for a week of doing stuff in the community. He's like, all right, raise your hand if you're here to help. And they raise their hands and he's like, put your hands down. You're not here to help. You're here to serve. Because what he emphasizes is when you are trying to help, you're coming from this position of being above, being more resourced, being in power. Even if we're not thinking that, it's almost this reaching down to pull someone up. Whereas with serving, you get something like in John 13, where Jesus, who was like the son of God, humiliating himself by stripping down and washing nasty, dirty feet. And so when we think of helping, we tend to think of people who have money, who have resources, who have power, who have position, who have authority, helping the poor people, helping the struggling people. And so when I have had people that are often placed into that latter category, coming and caring for me, serving for me, uh, serving me, uh, you know, looking out for me, checking in on me, praying with me, it pushes against our notion of who can help who, who can serve who, because the reality is, is God quips all of us. And, you know, I think too, of uh, a guy that I met doing my podcast, who he's also unsheltered, he was staying at this, uh, we have a coliseum in Richmond that was closed down. And so a lot of folks were staying out there because there was an overhang and the city was working very hard to get them out of there. And, uh, but while he was staying there, people came to know him for his smile and his joy. Right. And it really confused them because they would look at him and say, but you're homeless. So how can you be happy? How can you be joyful? But he was authentically joyful because he knew Christ and 
that brought something to his heart and to his life. And as I was talking with him and I told him this, I was like, here's what's amazing is you have all these people that are walking by, that are looking down on you, that are assuming things about you. And then they're going and working their jobs to try to like make enough money to get what you have. <laughs> like you have the joy that they're looking for, but you don't have it because of the money or anything like that. You have it because of Christ. And so even that, like it's, we, we underestimate, we underestimate people. And Jesus tried to demonstrate to us how foolish that was because he constantly saw the value in the people that others saw as valueless. He often sought the voice of the people that others wanted to be voiceless. He often elevated those that people wanted to diminish because he knew that if you're a child of God, you're imbued with value and purpose and God can work through you, even if you're the least of these. And we sometimes, as you said, forget that. And I love how what, what I'm hearing from you is the, the beauty of conversation, the beauty of actually uh, being in the moment with people and actually seeing God at work. Because sometimes we, 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 we have this opinion of this, this, is, this is the only way God moves. But no, God is moving amongst our homeless. He's moving amongst our addicted. He's moving amongst everyone. Sometimes, uh, would it be fair to say, sometimes we just have to slow down and see how God is moving within situations that we don't understand. Yeah. And I would say even to push it further, another good starting point is to learn how to better see the image of God in others. Because what we do is we see people based on what we physically see. So with the guy that I was talking about, they saw his tent over by the Coliseum. So they knew he was unsheltered. And so they put the identifier of homeless on him. Well, now his identity is shaped by whatever they think of homelessness. And so if they think that homelessness is a result of not working hard or of not caring or of being an addict or being this, that, or the other, they're going to, whether they realize it or not, attach that to them. Somebody that's wrestling through addiction. If somebody puts the term addict as an identifier on them, well, they're going to attach to that, whatever they think of someone who's addicted. And they don't understand that there's a lot of things that can play into what leads someone to be in that space. But if our identifier, if the first and foremost thing we identify someone as is a child of God, made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, then that changes things. Because if somebody is in a hard situation, if somebody is making bad decisions, instead of our default judgment approach of, well, they shouldn't be doing that, or they're doing that because, it might cause us to step back as Jesus often did and see the person for who God created them to be and then walk from that space. I know a lot of the people who listen to the podcast are, are going, I don't have these stories, these, these, these situations, but sometimes it's just asking God, is this where I'm supposed to be? I'm hearing a lot of great stories of people's faith. And, and I'm hearing stories of faith through you, Paul, of how people have come to experience who the real God is just through walking with them. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is why stories are so important. This is why sharing what God is not just done, because that's where we like to start with stories is when the story in our mind is finished, right? And that's why we don't tell our stories sometimes because the story is not finished or it doesn't have a happy ending. But a story can be continuing. It can be ongoing and it can be hard. And when we hear these stories from others, it shapes how we understand our own story. When we hear someone else who has worked through something we have worked through or who is working through 
something we're working through, and they are still choosing to seek God, it confronts our own ideas of what's happening and, and how it works. And like, I found that even for myself, when I lost my job three and a half years ago, one of the things that God invited me to in that space was to take some intentional time with him. And then in that, I felt a clear sense that he was inviting me into transparency and vulnerability and to do so publicly. And I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to put my business out there <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is I knew a lot of people wouldn't believe what I was saying or wouldn't trust what I was saying. And I'm like, I don't want to put myself in that position where someone's going to question me or diminish me because that's going to break me. And God's like, yes, but I'm inviting you into that. And that's where the podcast came from. Because shortly after I was like, okay, God, he's like, all right, now that you've accepted that, now I want you to do a podcast. And I'm like, come on now. But in that space, I, not that I've chosen to share things as much as in the conversation, it's very clear that God leads things to certain spaces where I've been able to open up about things that I wouldn't have opened about otherwise. And in that space, the guests and I end up processing things, end up discovering things about God together that wouldn't have happened if I had just been sitting and playing on my phone, right? And so we're called to love God and love others, which what that means is that we are called to be in connection with God and we're called to be in connection with others. And one of the amazing things that God is offering us is restoration and fullness through that connection, through community. And we hear it throughout scripture, through unity. It's this being joined together through shared experiences, through shared commitment, through whatever it is that we find the fullness that we're trying to find independently on our own in our own relationship with God. But we weren't designed that way. We were designed. It's like God saying to us, Yes, that's great that you are seeking me on your own. I love it. You will never find my fullness just in that. I have called you to community as well. So love others, connect with others. I love how God called you into this podcasting realm because it's, I, I'm, just, I'm just excited to hear uh, this, these stories. So in our, in our last couple of minutes here, want to share a little bit, first and foremost, the name of your podcast how people could find it, but what you have taken away from God giving you this platform to just tell these stories. Yeah. So the podcast is called Where Did You See God? And it comes from a meeting I had back in 2006 when I was working for a ministry where the executive director asked all of us at a table, where did you see God today? And I could not think of an answer. And I was struck by and convicted by the realization that here I was a Christian working in ministry and I didn't have an immediate answer to that question. It pushed me to realize maybe I shouldn't just look for God retroactively. Maybe I should actually be proactive and seek God as I go in today. Say, if I believe that God actually speaks and works, how might I look for that today? And so the heart of the podcast is to basically practice that, whether it's just me, but more often with guests, how can we look for God and the dialogue and the conversation and the stories and the things that are happening. And I think what's been so encouraging for me and what I've learned from this is the beauty of how community can happen, right? Like I used to work with interns and at the start of the year, they would all feel so confident that it would take six months to a year for them to develop close relationships. 
But what I knew is that there's something beautiful that God can do to forge relationships in a short span of time, that you don't need to build six months of relationship with a person before you can open up. And in these podcasts, I will start a conversation with someone that I have never heard their voice, never seen their face before. And by the end, we've experienced God together. We have learned something about God together. We feel something restorative in us. And and this is the invitation for anyone, whether they listen to my podcast or your podcast or what, that God has equipped us, not just called us to be in community, but equipped us that this can happen with a stranger that you see on a park bench and you feel a nudge from God to go and talk to him. Your gut instinct is, but that's a stranger. And what if they're crazy? Or what if they think I'm crazy? Or what if, what if, what if, what if? And we forget that the way the Holy Spirit works is <laughs> Holy Spirit could take the reins in that, on that park bench and do something that you would have never seen coming, abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. So I think that's been the big takeaway for me is that God can do something beautiful through us being willing to connect, being willing to be humble and transparent, and having even just a little grain of faith that God can work with that because he takes that and grows something big. That's beautiful. I can't think of a better way to finish off this interview. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for granting us some of your time. My pleasure. And thank you so much for what you do. Paul Granger has been our guest. Thank you once again for tuning in this week and tune in again next week for another edition of Refuge Freedom Stories.
I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.